Welcome to Waiting for Review, a show that follows the journeys of two iOS developers. I'm Dave Wood, an iOS developer in Wellington, New Zealand. And I'm Dave Knott, an iOS developer from Devon, England. Join us as we discuss the development, code and technology of our journeys. Okay, so this week we thought we would touch on app architecture in respect of you know how we code our apps, different technologies we might use, storyboards versus programmatic, which I know we've touched on before, but it's always good to revisit. Um, and obviously, Dave, you've taken up a new job as an iOS developer in New Zealand. Um, it's like a salaried full-time position. So I'm interested yep. to know kind of what your thoughts are regarding this, because I'm guessing you've been exposed to a lot of new tech in quite a short space of time. Yeah, so I've been having to... Um kind of hit the ground running and pick up quite a few different projects um and that's been really quite interesting because obviously i've come from a indie developer and contractor background um sort of prior to this and um this has been this has been the first time i've been exposed to um sort of quite some quite structured um app architecture so I think prior to this, I was following um, very much a sort of MVC um, kind of approach, you know, model view controller, um, doing things kind of the, the way that Apple prescribes a lot through through their sessions and documentation as well. So I was using storyboards. A lot of my own apps have got storyboards inside them. Um, and the way things are working out kind of with, with the um, the things I've been working on over the last few weeks is that um, because it's, it's team-based working and um, a lot of the projects, um, they, they won't use things like storyboards, you know, things like layout is done via, via code. Um, we, we use things like snap kits as well for sort of making constraints easier. Um, and so it's, it's been quite interesting. I, I, I would say I've, I've had exposure to um, sort of doing things definitely through a, a um, completely code orientated, no storyboards point of view, and that's that's fine. I was kind of heading that way myself after our last discussion. Um, so I think when we we spoke about that maybe four months or so ago, um, I was kind of considering a sort of, of a kind of middle ground where I could use. Um, storyboards for laying my apps out and but perhaps keeping a lot of things through code as well um and i can see now that that actually once you get going and you're doing everything sort of through through code um it can be really quite quite clear um and quite quite good for sort of getting in and debugging constraints and that side of things um but all of that to one side, some of the really interesting stuff that I've been getting into has been um, we're using um, an architecture called Viper. Um, I don't know if you've come across that at all, Dave. No, no, I haven't. Okay. Um, so with Viper, it's a case of you um, you have the app architecture is um, is split out into a few more components than you have with something like MVC. Okay. okay yeah. Um, so you have a, a view. So that's the V and Viper. Uh, as far as I know, Viper is actually a, a bit of a backronym. Um, <laughs> I think like the, the, the individual areas within the architecture, um, I think were identified and then, then Viper was kind of the grouping made to make a nice word. Um, 
but you have yeah you have a, a, the view um the interactor uh the router um the presenter um and and entities as well so views interactors presenters entities um and the router um and the idea with with viper is to kind of sort of decouple a lot of the different res- responsibilities of an application um and the the way that i've i've kind of come across this is that um it it relies heavily on on swift's protocol orientated programming um to sort of link the different areas together the different types of of objects that have different responsibilities um are all sort of linked through through various protocols and um i would say i've i've done um i've worked on one sort of major project that that's viper sort of through and through um and when when you when you work with viper you tend to think of things in terms of modules that kind of have all of these bits or at least more than one of them you know sometimes it's possible to have a an object that's set up and it doesn't really do anything on the screen so it doesn't have a view layer for example mm-hmm. um but um one of the some of the key sort of benefits with this sort of abstraction having things you know into into more components than than mvc um is that you end up with um a situation where you have things like your applications business log- logic lives in one space that is in the presenter um but then your applications logic for actually displaying things on screen is within the view area and in, in our case we we tend to put a view controller in there um and that is that view controller is responsible for getting you know things onto the onto the screen and setting yeah. out the the sort of layout of of those things um but isn't necessarily responsible for anything in terms of um like I said in terms of business logic and and how you would react to certain certain things so the callbacks coming through from the the, the view controller if a button is pressed um will get sent back through to the presenter and the presenter will then decide to do something about that um and the yeah the and the other objects also have their own sort of individual areas of responsibility as well um and what's really cool with that is that that can then lead to um to kind of having um easy ways to split off um if you're talking to APIs and doing things locally um so some quite nice ways where you, we have um, we have data managers that are, are you have a local data manager or a remote data manager depending on whether you're talking to the API or, or storing data locally um and the, the decoupling that viper gives you lets you kind of shift between one or the other quite easily um and it also makes things really, really cool for testing. So, so once you've got things sort of set up in this way, with with um, your sort of main main screens are represented by these modules um, that have all of these parts. Um, if you then want to go and test particular interactions um, or, or parts of the the that screen's logic, it's, it's really easy to then sort of wire things up in, in a unit test and, and mock the objects and, and link them all together. Um, so that's been quite a departure in a lot of ways from sort of doing things as sort of, you know, MVC and storyboards and outlets and this, that and the other all sort of linked up. 
Would you say there's quite um, a big learning curve? Yeah, yeah, I would. So Viper's not necessarily one of the easiest ones, I think, to learn that because there's loads of different app architectures and um another one that I've I've come across um very recently is is MVVM um which I'm trying to remember exactly what that what that stands for now. Um yeah. <laughs> so it's modern yeah, model view, view model, of course it is. Yes, yeah, you have view view models um linked up that, that represent um the uh yeah, represent the sort of um data that's being binded. Um so that becomes quite good for for things that use technologies like uh React Swift and React Coco, which perhaps we could get to in a minute. I don't know, but um yeah, so a lot to pick up um, very quickly, and I, I would say that it's, it's, it has been quite a learning curve at times. Um, what for that, would you say? Yeah, yeah, totally. So for working on these things with other people and as a team, then I think these these type of architectures and technologies can be really very powerful. Um, I mean, one of the things that I've noticed is that um, when sort of picking up... Um, a project that I haven't um, necessarily worked on that that much, but I know the what the architecture is supposed to be, um, that I can then sort of kind of get in there and make necessary changes quite quite quickly. Um, so the sort of abstraction and having things all in, in these sort of separate different objects and with different responsibilities, um, that can that can make life easier for sort of getting in and doing the fix and being being up to speed with the sort of general lay of the land yeah um, so that's cool and um, that's a definite bonus um and then like i say that with with something sort of full-on as, as viper in terms of how it sets the objects up um the bonus side after that is is that when you then want to test it's relatively straightforward so it certainly felt that way to me um once i i, I had a bit of an initial I was writing tests sort of for the for the first time in a lot of ways as well because as we've spoken on before I've not really had to to get fully into unit testing with my own apps um or I certainly haven't chosen to spend time that way in a lot of ways um but once I kind of got through my initial learning curve with with sort of setup of those um yeah the the Viper model has has delivered back so that ease of getting getting started and getting into sort of testing quite a lot of different different parts of the architecture. So if um, you were a solo indie dev, would you perhaps have the same opinion that it'd be worth going Viper? Now this this is interesting. So from my perspective, I, I've I've started trying to put a little bit of of time now that that we're sort of a bit more settled after our big move. Um, I'm sort of starting to see that I'm getting a little bit more free time back on the evenings and stuff. And I've been starting to have a look at um at my video mixing app again. So my 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 solo side project app, GoVJ. Um and that would that would benefit from a bit of a rewrite, actually. And so I'm okay, I open up Xcode, I go to a blank project. Um and I know what I'm going to build because my first draft of this will build, rebuild the app as it looks today pretty much, but but with cleaner code and a cleaner architecture so that I can then go and make some, some other changes without sort of feeling like I'm 
adding features to an old code base if you get what i mean i don't i don't want to extend the app at the moment on the code that's there no i understand um yeah so the code that's there is objective c and i want everything to be in swift um and i ported sort of a load of the engine last year to swift 3 um and now the sort of rewrite for the for the the ui of the app and everything um should join join that that um internal engine over in swift so i sit down with the blank x code open and i don't actually know what to do i'm sort of sat there going do i load storyboard do i try and do everything mvc with but with code do i start generating viper modules and linking all of those up <laughs> um and, and I'm still kind of debating this at the moment. I, I've, I'm starting out down a uh, a kind of MVC light sort of take on things. So I've not gone for the full-on Viper kind of module world. Um, I think mainly because because Viper itself is more of a concept than it is of a, a very, very, very specific way of doing things. You've got lots of different ways you can wire up um, sort of the main types of modules of Viper. Um, what's important is that you're consistent within the app itself that you're you're developing, um, and you tend to find that um, there's there's a few different templates, if you like, in terms of how to sort of wire up the different um, parts within Viper, and and I think I was thinking, well, okay, I'm using this template at work now, but will I necessarily still be doing things in that way? in another couple of years or not you know that that's the projects and things that i've got in my day-to-day at work and that's fine um but for go vj if i do this and then i put the project down again for another six months and yeah. i pick it back up again in a year or whenever it is because that's what happens with the side project you know you pick it up you put it down um i want to make sure that i can kind of dive back into it without kind of having to think oh yes i was doing viper at that point so yeah i do i do wonder I haven't really been able to sort of make that commitment um, with with my side projects. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm following a, a sort of MVC light um, with the Go VJ rewrite now, which which kind of seems to be boiling down to. Um, so, yep, I'm storing things um, within view controllers, but I'm trying to pull out um, as much kind of repeated functions and everything else into sort of base classes. Um, and, um, I'm not using storyboards, so these, these view controllers are all going to kind of link together via code. Um, and I may potentially take a look at a coordinator pattern to try and sort of express how I link those different view controllers together. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that, that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. It's sort of been very much a, um, you know, a bit of a baptism of fire with picking up different architectures and, and, and kind of getting my head around how they all link up and, and how the objects and everything work. Um, but um, which which I feel like is, is going quite well now, to be honest with you. Um, you know, there's a, there's a learning curve with anything like this, um, but I'm, I'm getting to a stage where I feel like I'm becoming more, um, more up to speed and able to start building things like new Viper modules in a Viper project. Um, but like I say, for, for my own stuff, um, 
I kind of want something that's going to to, to sort of feel more recognisable if if I go a different route over time. Mm. I mean, this conversation's almost made me feel a bit like I'm stuck in the past, hearing things like Viper. Because <laughs> for me, as a, as a solo indie, I try to sort of not go too far off the path that Apple set for me. Yeah. So in terms of like using MVC and, you know, kind of the stock UI, you know, look at uh, what's happened with the iPhone 10. It's like, I feel like I've almost been rewarded by not being sort of too hacky with UI kit and things like that. Um, yeah. So just from a, yeah, not diving into the weeds too much on different areas, but just generally, I just try and stick to the, the well-trodden path as much as possible. Um, yeah. Just because, yeah, my time is so, so limited um, at the moment, just generally, which means the time I have for my app development is very limited. And I'm I'm trying to squeeze a lot into that as well with different apps and different projects. So I feel like I, I need to stick to the well-trodden path for me right now. Um, but yeah, hearing, hearing this kind of stuff, it all sounds really interesting and cool. And I feel like, oh no, I'm, maybe I'm getting left behind or maybe I should be doing more of this stuff and I'm being stubborn and not doing it. Um, that's kind of been my mental <laughs> process as I've just heard you describe <laughs> all of this stuff. Yeah, it, it, it's a tricky one. And like I said, I think it's more about, um, it's more about making sure that you are um, adopting the right pattern and setup to sort of meet the project requirements. So, so if you think about it as a, um, a developer within a team, um, where you've got several other people who are potentially going to touch that code base, pick it up, um, put it down, you know, new people may come in, whatever that is. Um, and where you also have the requirement of needing to have um, unit test code coverage and that, that kind of thing coming in to, to sort of guarantee a level of um, of quality um, as, as new commits get made by different people. Um adopting a particular architecture that lets you do tests and lets you um, communicate the different responsibilities of an app sort of very clearly, um, I think has got a lot of benefits. You know, that overhead of kind of doing the architecture and getting into it um, is then rewarded because you reduce these these other potential problems. Um, but as a solo dev, as an indie developer, um as we we talked about before when we we sort of touched on on unit tests and that that side of things um and when we when we um spoke uh with Stephen I think it was yep um about about these sort of things as well um you know your requirements may be may be different it's a different type of project um and as long as i guess as long as you've kind of thought about this um and you're, you're you're kind of happy that the decision you've made sort of meets the requirement that you've got, then and that's great. You know, I mean, if you love storyboards and you're quick and efficient in storyboards, then boom, keep using them because Apple certainly keep chucking out you know, demos and and everything else in those as well. It's definitely something that they're quite keen to push. Um, equally, if you're really quick in in doing everything programmatically. Um, and can kind of you know reverse engineer constraints in 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 your head with your eyes closed or whatever, then you know boom work that way. Um, and I think the same goes for 
so general app architecture as well as long as you can understand it if it's only you working on the project um then as long as you can understand it and like i say as long as you're happy that you're going to pick the code back up again you know with breaks in between or however that works um then that's all there is to it um you know these these other architectures have have uses for the environments that they're in um but it's definitely not sort of one size fits all and that's that's been a problem i think that i've had as i've been sort of sitting down and trying to decide what to do for sort of this almost blank slate where obviously i know i know my target application and everything else cuz it exists already i've put the design in i know what i want it to look like um i'm just you know, re- rebuilding something from Objective-C to Swift and I want a nice clean base. Um, but um, yeah, I was, I was kind of gridlocking myself just sort of thinking, well, okay, I also want like the perfect architecture. Um, and I would, I would kind of argue now that that doesn't necessarily exist. Um, you know, every <laughs> architecture is a, it's a series of, of different, pros and cons and, and, and trade-offs in one way or another um and the one thing that you do have to to weigh off as an indie for sure is um is that trade-off with your time um so you know and anything that's going to just sort of give you extra mental overhead and not necessarily give you anything else back other than kind of looking perfect from one aesthetic or another um it probably isn't worth you sort of switching to using I suppose it's linking it to the real world, isn't it? Because in the real world, something like Viper pays dividends in a big team, but then in the real world, when it's just you sat on your MacBook on your sofa in yep. the evenings, it's it's a different it's different, isn't it? It it is. Um, I think one thing I've been worried about is potentially encouraging bad habits, um, sort of in my solo dev. Um, so I kind of wanted to see if I could sort of you know, okay, can I use Viper or, or whatever. Um, and, and do that in a way that, um, sort of keeps my hand in from all, all angles. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, keeps my, my brain in that sort of mode. Um, but yeah, what, what I was realizing was that, that there is actually a different mode there when I'm in sort of side project mode and solo dev mode. Um, that's probably quite healthy as well. Yeah. Just for, just from like, Uh, um, drawing a line between sort of work and then your kind of side projects where you can just do things a little bit differently experiment in different ways yeah i think there's a yeah i'd, I'd, I'd say so um and definitely about having a diff, sort of diff, slightly different pace or something that at least sort of meets the, the the reality um of what i'm trying to achieve as a side project which is i i have an idea and a set of different ideas um for something that i want to exist for for various reasons, uh, not not least of which is that you know, GoVJ is a video mixing tool and I kind of want something that, that I can use and I've got all these features that I'd like it to have. Um, so there's that sort of trade-off between, okay, I want a nice clean code base, but equally I don't necessarily want to spend the next year thinking about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, um, it's it's just been interesting kind of thinking that through and realizing some of these things. 
Okay, we'll call that an episode. If you've enjoyed the show this week, it'd be great if you could give us a review on iTunes or if you're an Overcast user, if you could tap that star button to recommend us, that'd be great. Um, also, we'd just like to add that we have our own Slack channel and we'd love to invite you to join. Our hope is is that it can become a great place for fellow developers to come and hang out and help each other out with any development problems you might have. Uh, there'll be instructions in the show notes or the best way to get in touch with us is via Twitter at WFR Podcast uh, to get in touch and we'll get you added. So, Dave, before we run off, where can people find your work? Um, you can find me on Twitter at DWRoboHeads. That's RoboHeads spelled with a Z. And you can find my apps at RoboHeads.com. Again, spelt with a Z. That's R-O-B-O-H-E-A-D-Z.com. How about you, Dave? Yeah, you can find my remote control for Cody at armchair-remote.com and my app Space Readers, which is designed to help kids learn to read, you can find at spacereaders.com and I am at underscore Dave Not on Twitter. 